Please turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 18. And we begin reading at verse 1, when God comes to visit. Genesis, chapter 18. We begin reading at verse 1. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent of the door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them, And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. She laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your wonderful grace and mercy to us. That you would send your son Jesus to come to this earth for us. To take our sins all the way to the cross that we might be forgiven And live in a right relationship with you, O God. We thank you for this word that we look at today and and for your desire to visit us, to meet with us. And I pray, Lord, that by your spirit you would teach us this day. I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It was about 20 years ago I came down to uh, the vet's hospital here in the cities to visit a man who had had surgery. And when I came into the room, you kind of usually begin by just, you know, talking about whatever, the weather and things like that. And so I did that. And I was there for a couple of minutes and he said, you didn't come just to chit chat, did you? No, 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 I didn't come just to chit-chat, so I grabbed my Bible and I opened it up and I read some scripture. 
had some prayer with him, and then I went on my merry way. He didn't remember that because he was a little bit, um, a little loopy on uh, medication. And so when I saw him, when he got back home, I said, uh, Pete, I said, do you remember what you said to me when I came down and visited you in the hospital? No. He said, what did I say? So I told him the story. And so every time we meet now, the first thing he says to me, you didn't come just to chit-chat, did you? I said, no. I came to share the word of God with you. Well, in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham and Sarah had three visitors that came to their home. Abraham was resting in the heat of the day, and one of these visitors we know was the Lord. Perhaps a Christophany, a Theophany, God in human flesh coming. And then two of them were angels. We find that in chapter 19. But they didn't come to just chit-chat. It wasn't just a friendly visit on their journey somewhere. They came with a purpose. They came to share, to reinforce the truth that God had given to Abraham many years ago that he indeed would make a great nation of him. That he indeed would keep the promise that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. God came to visit that day, and it was quite a, quite a meeting. There's three lessons we learned in our text about how God comes to us. First of all, God comes to us in many ways. God comes to us repeatedly, and we see that so clearly in the life of Abraham and Sarah. We know that God gave them that promise back in chapter 12 when, when Abraham was 75 years old. He was told to leave his land and, and go to a land that God would show him. And we all know the story of how they struggled They just couldn't figure out how that was going to happen. They were both old, and and Sarah was not able to conceive. But God came to them over and over, many times and many ways, to reassure them that indeed He would keep His promise. And I just want to note a few of them. Go back to chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, He said, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. Then he says, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. So every time that Abram looked at the ground, (laughs) there was the promise As the dust of the earth, God will bless you and and your descendants. Chapter 15, God came to Abram in a vision, told him not to be afraid. And and Abram says, well, Lord, I, I know you've given me this promise that I don't have any sons. I have this servant. Is he to be my heir? And and God said, no, from your own body will come a son And then he gave him this picture in verse 5. He says, now look toward the heavens. Count the stars. If you are able to count them, so shall your descendants be. So now whether he looked at the ground or whether he looked at the heavens, there was the promise, the assurance 
that God indeed would do what He said He would do. In chapter 17, we see the Lord change the name of Abram to Abraham. And we know that the name Abraham means father of a multitude. And so every time someone said his name, Abraham, or every time that Abraham said his name, if someone asked, what is your name? There was again a reminder, father of a multitude. God came to him again and and changed Sarai's name to Sarah in chapter 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples, will come from her. And so every time Abram greeted his wife and said, Hi, Sarah, there was the reminder again. Look at the ground. Look at the sky. Hear your name. Call your wife's name. All of those were God's ways of saying, I will keep my promise. God repeatedly visited Abraham and Sarah and He assured them, That he would do what he said he would do. And you know what? That's God's pattern in Scripture, isn't it? Where God comes again and assures us. I think of Moses. He had all of those doubts. And God answered every one of them and assured him that he would be with him. You think of Gideon when he was told to battle the Midianites. He had those doubts and God continued to answer all of those doubts. Jeremiah, Lord, I can't do this. And God assured them. And God assures us too, doesn't He? Sometimes it might be through a sermon that God really speaks to your heart. In your devotions, as you're reading your Bible, God comes and He he repeats His word of assurance to you. A friend may share a, a Scripture verse with you, say they're praying for you, maybe singing a hymn or driving down the road in your car, many different ways that God just meets us in our need. And He assures us of His promise. So God has His ways of meeting us when we need Him the most. God comes to us in many ways, and we praise Him for that. Second lesson we learn, God not only comes to us in many ways, but God comes to us in ordinary ways. Now, there are certainly times when God comes in an extraordinary way. We see that with Moses, the burning bush, Gideon with that, that uh, sacrifice that was burned at the altar. But there are other times, and, and maybe most often, when God comes to us in just an ordinary way. And we see that illustrated here where where Abraham was resting in the heat of the day, and along comes the Lord with these two angels, And they shared some food together. Just kind of an ordinary event, ordinary meal. And yet one author describes it as a covenantal meal. Because it was at this meal that God restated the promise that Abraham and Sarah were to have a son. And so just through an ordinary event, 
a meal, the breaking of bread, God visited them. And this author that used this phrase, covenantal meal, he, he, he goes on to say that, that this is weaved. These covenantal meals are weaved throughout Scripture. The Passover. As God brought His people out of Egypt, there was that Passover lamb that they ate together and it reminded them of God's work and God's promise and God's care. We celebrate the Lord's Supper today. That's a covenantal meal, isn't it? It's a reminder to us of what Jesus Christ did for us, and He assures us that His blood is what cleanses us from all sin. After His resurrection, Jesus ate with the two on the road to Emmaus, broke bread with them. He also came to His fearful disciples on Easter Sunday evening. He ate some fish with them. Another time He met them on the shore after they had been fishing. Remember, He said, come and dine. Those Ordinary ways in which Jesus reassures His people. And so as we come to the Lord's Supper today, that's a covenantal meal. Ordinary bread and wine. And yet God meets us as we fellowship with Him at His table and as we fellowship with one another. Just ordinary bread and wine. But God meets us there. The third lesson we learn is that God comes to us in personal ways. It seems obvious to me that the Lord came to visit Abraham and Sarah that day primarily for Sarah's sake. (laughs) Because once the Lord and the two angels had finished eating, notice in verse 9 they asked this question, Where is Sarah, your wife? They had met with Abraham, but, but where, where, is, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's there in the tent, cooking food, preparing that meal. And Abraham may not have realized it right away when these three visitors came, that, that one of them was the Lord, but when he heard them ask for Sarah, instead of Sarai, I can't help but think that Abraham thought, hmm, who would know? Who would know at this point that this was not Sarai, this was Sarah. This this has to be the Lord, because he was the one that had given her that name, changed it from Sarai to Sarah. No one else yet knew her by that name. And the message that the Lord had for Sarah that day, it wasn't really a new one. It was one that she had already heard, that she was supposed to give birth to a son, but she was still struggling with that, believing that. And so, again, our text reminds us in verse 11 of the challenge they faced. They were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. So when she heard that... (laughs) She was supposed to have a son. Here she is in the tent, and she she laughs at such an idea. And notice how it says that she laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And God gave her a little bit of a what I would call an encouraging rebuke, if you, if you can understand that. 
There was no reason to laugh at such a promise from God because God is omniscient. He knows all things. Even though Sarah laughed to herself, the Lord knew it because he knows what we think. So if the Lord knew that Sarah laughed to herself, it's obvious he knows all things. And if he says that he is going to give them a child about this time next year, believe it. Huh? Isaiah 46.10 says that God declares the end from the beginning. So he knows all that is to come. And so don't laugh, Sarah. I know what's going to happen. A year from now, you are going to have a son. And she tried to deny it. She said, no, 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 I didn't laugh. And God said, you laughed. Yes, you did. You laughed. Another reason she shouldn't laugh at God's promise is because he is not only omniscient, but he is omnipotent. Notice verse 14, after she says, you know, shall I indeed bear a child when I'm old? And, and the Lord says, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Think of that. Is there anything that is too difficult for the Lord? And the obvious answer to that is, no, there is nothing too difficult for Him. And then God repeats it again, at the appointed time. I will return to you at this time next year. And Sarah will have a son. So God had a very personal message for Sarah. He said, where, where is Sarah? We want to encourage her. We want to remind her of who God is and how faithful He is. And we know from the book of Hebrews that Sarah came to embrace that fact. Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, even Sarah herself conce- uh, received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. She believed the promise that God gave her that day. Sarah wasn't the only one who believed that there is nothing too difficult for the Lord. There was another woman who was to have a baby in a very miraculous way. That was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Listen to what we find in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. And we call the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary's wondering, how will this be? (laughs) She said in verse 34, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
And then Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Your word. Can we trust the word of God? Absolutely. Abraham and Sarah were given a promise that God would give them a son, that God would make a great nation from them. And they struggled with that until finally they came to embrace that after all those encouragements that God gave. Hebrews says they grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured that what God had promised, He was able also to perform. Both Sarah and Mary had something in common. They experienced a miracle in their bodies because they believed that that there was nothing too difficult for the Lord. And I'm grateful today that there is nothing that is too difficult for the Lord, especially when it comes to salvation. God can change the most wretched person there is. God can transform any life. Jesus has come to to shed His blood, to, to pay the price, that we might know Him and be able to stand upon His promise today. Our greatest need today is a spiritual birth. We need to be born again. We need to be brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. And just as Sarah and Abraham needed to trust God's promise, we need to trust that promise too today. That what Jesus did on the cross paid the price for our salvation. When God came to visit Abraham and Sarah that day, He asked the question, Where is Sarah? Where is Sarah? She needs to hear this word. It was a very personal meeting that God wanted to have with Sarah that day. And perhaps God is asking that question today. Where are you? Where are you? Where do you stand in relationship to God today? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Can you say that He is your Lord? You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that you have a right relationship with God because of what Jesus did there on the cross for you. This is your day of visitation. God comes to us in His Word and He invites us to trust Jesus, to confess our sin and to believe that what He did for us on the cross is sufficient for our salvation. And we find this word visitation throughout Scripture. And we find it on Palm Sunday. Remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem? And then He viewed the city in it. And Luke says that He wept over the city. And what did He say? If you would have known, if you would have known that this was your day of visitation, that they rejected Him. And in 70 A.D., the Romans came in and destroyed that city. That was their day of visitation. And they missed it. Today is your day of visitation. Don't miss it. If you don't know Jesus today, don't walk out of those doors thinking you've got time, you've got opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. 
Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Receive Him. Receive Jesus. And you can know that you have eternal life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You that You come to us today. You visit us through Your Word. You desire to meet us today at Your table. Lord, help us to stand on the truth of Your Word, to trust Your promise. That if we confess our sins, You're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That to as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on His name. Oh God, visit us with Your grace this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.